I think most people, even scientists in their minds, separate out biology from the machines we build. It's almost like there's a magic there that's impenetrable. The speed of the creation of vaccines for the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19 was a modern marvel. You might have already even gotten yours. But what if vaccines and therapeutics could emerge even faster in response to the next pandemic? For the first time, we might be understanding and learning about that magic in ways that we add to our toolkit as humans. That's one of the key goals of a $5 million gift that was just announced from Microsoft to the Institute for Protein Design at the University of Washington School of Medicine. It's almost like we were handed these things down from the from the depths of time, you know, it's like Lord of the Rings, these, these mythical things, they have names like CRISPR and hemoglobin, and they have these mystical attributions and these magical powers. On this episode of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast, we talk with Microsoft's Chief Scientific Officer, Eric Horvitz, and the Director of the UW Institute, David Baker, about the new age of artificial intelligence and biotechnology, and the potential to engineer a very different future. The beauty is still there, but some of the magic is gone because we understand how things work and we can make brand new things. So it's really an exciting time. I'm Todd Bishop from GeekWire. Stay with us. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is sponsored by Primera Blue Cross, providing comprehensive health benefits and tailored services to approximately 2 million people from individuals to Fortune 100 companies. Learn more about how Primera is innovating in healthcare at Primera.com slash innovation. Joining us today are Dr. David Baker, Director of the Institute for Protein Design and Professor of Biochemistry at University of Washington Medicine, and Eric Horvitz, Chief Scientific Officer at Microsoft. David and Eric, it's great to have you both here. Thanks for having us. Hi. This is a very fascinating topic, in part because we're on the tail end, hopefully, of a pandemic right now, and this gift and the work that Microsoft and the University of Washington Institute for Protein Design are going to be doing really looks ahead. Could each of you explain what types of work you're going to be doing together and how this $5 million gift from Microsoft to the University of Washington School of Medicine and the Institute for Protein Design enables a better response to the next pandemic? Yeah. So when, when the pandemic broke out about a year ago, we immediately set out to design vaccines and antivirals and diagnostics against the virus. And we were sort of, we were developing computational design methods on the fly to do this. And we, uh, we tested large numbers of designs and we were ultimately able to come up with um, uh, vaccine candidates, therapeutic candidates that are looking very, very promising. But it took quite a while. Um, and what we'd really like to do is for the next pandemic, be able to respond much, much more quickly. Now, an important part, important piece is to use machine learning to improve the methods and enable, uh, to, uh, enable the ability to uh, sort of very rapidly from the time, say, in as, as little as two or three weeks from when the, the DNA sequence of a, of a new pathogen, new pandemic threat is uh, identified to be able to go from that to really uh, effective vaccine and therapeutic candidates. 
And what we're really excited about is with this partnership with Microsoft is to bring in some really high level machine learning so that we can we can basically learn to shrink the time and produce more efficacious sort of countermeasures and ways of combating a pandemic very, very quickly. And just to add to that, um, we, we've been talking to David and his lab now for, for a while, even pre-pandemic. Uh, I've been following his work for, for uh, many years after seeing a fabulous talk that he gave at a scientific conference over a decade ago. Um, and my current role is to provide Microsoft with um, you know, leadership and perspectives on advances and trends in scientific matters at the frontiers of understanding to identify uh, you know, where the scientific puck is moving at the skate there with you know, lots of energy. Uh, and one of my focuses uh, in working with uh, leaders at Microsoft is on this inflection point where biology and computing are coming together. So there's been a maturation of tools on the bio side as well as on the computing side. And so we were already talking to David. When the pandemic hit, uh, David's team did stunning work uh, that was published in, in Science Magazine uh, developing de novo from scratch proteins that could could stop the SARS-CoV-2 virus in its tracks. And it was very impressive, but it took lots of work. And David could tell you about all the work that goes into that. They had to generate 100,000 candidates uh, to find the right one, taking many months and um, a number of months, I should say. And we want to speed all that up, working together. It's fascinating because I think one of the hallmarks of the response to SARS-CoV-2 and the COVID-19 pandemic was the speed at which the vaccines were developed. Are you saying that vaccines themselves could be developed even faster in response to new viral epidemics in the future with machine learning and the approaches that you're going to be trying? Yeah, my colleague, Neil King at the Institute for Protein Design here has designed vaccine candidates that actually look considerably more potent than the ones that are currently in use. And those his candidates are, are um, currently undergoing clinical trials. So we'll find out about those uh, soon. And so both designing more potent vaccines and then antivirals, which would be drugs that you would take once you just once you had gotten sick, that would that would um, uh, protect you or cure you from infection. And so th- those sort of molecules right now are, have been very hard to generate. It's taken a very long time. And and with uh, with uh, Microsoft and really incorporating high level machine learning on these very large data sets that Eric mentioned, uh, we believe this could happen. But there's also a larger uh, trend, not beyond pandemic preparedness, is that we're in the midst of of several different paradigm shifts, changes in technology, almost really a technological revolution. Um, in up until very recently, all of the you know proteins carry out all the important functions in biology, and humans have adapted them as drugs and other things. Um, and that has always been done by modifying proteins which exist in nature. Um, they things that, that came back came down from the distant past because we didn't really understand protein folding and we couldn't really make brand new proteins. But the first paradigm change is we can now make brand new proteins from scratch. And this enables now making drugs and vaccines very, very quickly, um, as, as well as a whole host of, 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 of proteins for applications in biomedicine and beyond. The other thing that's happening, the other paradigm shift is these de novo proteins are starting to go into the clinic to be tested as drugs I already mentioned vaccines, so there'll be three or four different de novo designed proteins and vaccines that we've created that are um, will be in the clinic, including a, a, a much better flu vaccine. So it's a very exciting time. And then the third thing that's happening, the third paradigm change, is that traditionally 
uh, scientific modeling and modeling of proteins has been done using physical models that try and model the detailed interactions between atoms. Now, uh, machine learning, deep learning is proving to be ex uh, more and more powerful. And so we're having a paradigm change in the methods and approaches. And it's, it's really interesting to see how all these, with three sort of paradigm changes going on at the same time, it's a very exciting moment. It's interesting to, that there's been a parallel, in some ways, development uh, coming together now, but a parallel development of what's happened in biology, which has been a maturation of, I think, um, understanding mechanisms, and along with that, sets of tools, modeling simulation, um, tools for manipulation um, uh, and synthesis, uh, CRISPR, for example, for um, manipulating uh, DNA. On the um, machine learning side, we have platforms and tools growing and understandings and, and um, where we can now build impressive models that can, can simulate and predict a complex of uh, physical interactions. Uh, these are applied in, being applied in a number of areas, including biology. And so this joint maturation of manipulation, tool sets, standards, um, great successes and leaps are coming together now where we're seeing um, this incredible synergy at the frontiers of biology and artificial intelligence research. And we're taking the power of that synergy now and thinking deeply about how can we respond more quickly to future pandemics? What are the broader implications of these technologies for therapeutics, medicine, cancer, and other areas? So it's, a, it's an exciting time to, to for a, a large leader in computing to get together with the leading lab in, in protein uh, design. It's great. Whenever I hear a scientist use the phrase from scratch, I cannot help but think about my favorite Carl Sagan quote. Do you know this one? If you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, first, you must invent the universe. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> and I don't. It's a great it's one. A great one. Yeah, yeah. There's a great uh, sort of meme-worthy uh, video of him giving that statement. But when you're talking about de novo, creating proteins from scratch, that is essentially what you're, you're saying. And obviously, Dr. Baker, this is what your lab is very much about. You had a, a famous game, at least famous in, in my circles, called Fold It, right? With it, that essentially was about crowdsourcing protein design by folding proteins. For people who aren't experts in protein folding, can you give us a layperson's understanding of, of what it involves and how machine learning will help? Yeah. Proteins carry out all the important functions in our bodies and in all living things. They're encoding, encoded in the genes in our genomes. And the way they're encoded is each gene encodes the sequence of amino acids of a particular protein. There are 20 amino acids and a typical protein is 100 or 200 amino acids long. So imagine a string, it's a very long word of a string of 20 letters in, in some order. So that amino acid sequence will always fold up to the same precise three-dimensional structure, which is important for the protein to carry out its function. So the protein folding problem is to go from that sequence of amino acids to the three-dimensional structure of the protein. And that was a problem that we worked on quite a, quite a bit a number of years ago. And in, in part of that, we developed the, the game called Fold It, uh, where humans could, where game players could go in and fold up that sequence and try and predict what the actual structure was to complement our sort of computer software for folding proteins called Rosetta. Once we had gotten pretty good at taking amino acid sequences and predicting three-dimensional structures, 
we realized we could go backwards, make up completely new three-dimensional structures, and then figure out what amino acid sequences encode those structures, and then make synthetic genes, brand new genes that encode those new amino acid sequences, and then make those in the laboratory. So for example, in the context of uh, SARS-CoV-2, we, uh, once we knew what the structure was of the spike protein, we designed small proteins. We made structures that would fit perfectly against that spike protein, and we found sequences which were predicted to fold up to those structures, and we made them in the lab, and that's how we've made these super potent antivirals. Now, as I mentioned, the, 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 the way we had been predicting the structure of protein and designing proteins up until recently was to actually try and model the folding process. So these amino acids all contain atoms which interact with each other in various ways, and you try and model that, and so you can model the actual way, actual way the protein folds up. But you can also treat this as sort of a pattern recognition problem. You can train a neural network on many, many examples of amino acid sequences and their associated structures, and in that way, learn how to go from sequence to structure. And we've recently been able to go beyond that and been able to make networks that can basically hallucinate brand new images of proteins that don't exist yet, but we've made them in the lab and they actually fold up. So there's a lot of exciting things to do now in this area. Yeah, and think about the combinatorics um, where the machine learning is helping. You know, David mentioned a protein with 200 amino acids, for example. You know, each slot can be 21, 21 possibilities. It's like a combination lock where you have, you know, uh, you have uh, 21 to the 200th power combinations to go through to figure things out when you do de novo design. And the idea of, of applying machine learning uh, for abstraction things like embeddings, inference, and prediction uh, to, to generalize from data sets that we know, for which we know structure, we know sequence, to unknown new designs is a really interesting challenge for the late, latest and greatest uh, developments in artificial intelligence. David said the word hallucinating earlier. I will spare you my favorite Jerry Garcia quote. <laughs> Eric, we have talked for decades now about machine learning from the front door of your office and the virtual assistant that you created to greet visitors back in the day when that was extremely out there and very unusual, uh, to things like ethics and the committee that you lead at Microsoft that looks at the issues that relate to fairness and equality and, and other issues related to AI. What about health and the human body and biology gets you fired up about machine learning and the potential? Well, in general, my, my feeling has been for um, three decades, AI generally, including machine learning, is a sleeping giant in healthcare, both in, in the biosciences as well as in, in clinical medicine. I think we're seeing the, the waking of that sleeping giant now. We, we see such incredible applications, biomedical informatics, biomedicine, in, in, in biochemistry, in this whole area of de novo protein design that gets me very excited about possibilities. I think um, a decade from now, two decades from now, we'll look back as this being a very early, very early days of, of an explosion in capabilities as we come to, to master a deeper understanding and a deeper ability to make interventions and, and, to, um, and, and to guide um, therapies via these methods. And it's going to be a combination of, I think, great leaps in 
biology at the same time as great leaps in uh, in computing, as well as leaps that will happen together. Like because I think the the the, the challenge problems we're facing right now are helping us to define where AI is going, not just for biology, but for other areas. I, I absolutely agree with Eric that uh, I think we're going to look back at this time as really the beginning of an explosion of, you know, a really, really rapid advances in um, being able to, you know, in my area, design proteins, then modulate bio- biological systems. Ultimately, as I said, completely independently, there's this kind of paradigm shift in that we're make, making completely brand new proteins and that are sort of op- designed to be optimal for therapeutics and vaccines. And and those are being tested in people. So these things can, I think, go, they, they kind of match very well that, um, I mean, the problem is if you take a protein that exists in nature and you adapt it as a therapeutic, it's never really perfect for, it didn't evolve for that purpose. But if you can make things from scratch, then you really can put in all the properties you want and leave out all the properties you don't want. And I think the the, the concept of making drugs from scratch is being established. And then as machine learning sort of gains steam in this area and, you know, the capabilities grow and grow, I think it will be, um, uh, be a real game changer. Yeah, another, another comment I'll make is, is, is this is coming from my own learnings as I'm getting uh, updated very quickly about biology from David and his grad students and folks. In fact, we have an intern that just started this week from his lab. The, the, the space of possibility that biology has explored is a limited space when you think about all possible protein designs. And we're walking now off with de novo, off the path of biology and even refining necessarily in small ways what biology has given us over millions of years into whole new unexplored spaces and that have huge possibilities for everything from material science to 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 medicine. So what are the big picture implications for everyone else in computer science and biology? That's coming up next. This season of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast is presented by Primera Blue Cross. At Primera, we talk about what we do all day. We offer access to healthcare. The card in the pocket allows people to go get access to healthcare. Dr. John Espinola is Executive Vice President of Healthcare Services for Primera Blue Cross. The challenge we have is that we know that the healthcare that they get access to doesn't work as well as it could. So we have a duty at Primera to make healthcare work better. That's our job. We give people access to healthcare, yet we give them access to something that's subpar. We have a moral and fiduciary obligation to do better. We're gonna do it in partnership with those who may touch the moment of care. Providers, innovators, entrepreneurs, all of these are gonna help us move in the direction we need to to make healthcare work better. We're bold enough to take the risk to try to do something that'll make a difference and learn from it and be better along the way. To find out more, visit Primera.com slash innovation. What should others out there in the field take away from what your understanding of de novo protein design and the power of machine learning could create? What would you want folks out there unaffiliated with your organizations to, to understand from what you're doing and perhaps to apply on their own in ways that might advance the field? From my point of view, uh, one of the things that's really remarkable about biology and proteins in particular is the very wide range of problems that biology has solved, ranging from how to live in deep sea vents to hot springs. Um, you know, biology's come up with, with you know, how to do powered motion, you know, thinking. Um, I mean, just there's, and, and this all happened really just by random chance, you know, it was random mutation and selection. And so now I think what I'd encourage everyone to think about 
is now that we can design proteins with intent, what is possible? And it's, I think we're really just limited by our imaginations. So biology, for example, has come up with very elaborate systems to, to uh, convert energy from the sun into chemical bond formation, you know, with photosynthesis. You know, could we design completely new and better systems? You know, there's remarkable biological materials like silk, for example. Could you now design completely, you know, much, much better ones? If we look at um, things like bone and tooth and, and seashells, you know, there's biology's figured out how to mineralize calcium carbonate, for example. Could we now, does, could you now design proteins that interact with semiconductor materials? I mean, there are just so many different things. The potential is just so huge. So I think that's, uh, that's almost the biggest challenge now is to, um, is, is to figure out, is to, you know, to, to think about this huge space of possibilities and to, um, to pursue them. Yeah. And just to add to that tiny bit, um, I think most people, even scientists in their minds, separate out biology from the machines we build. It's almost like there's a magic there that's, that's impenetrable. All the magical properties we see from photosynthesis, other kinds of catalysis, this self-reproduction, you know, resilience, uh, adaptation. Uh, and I think that for the first time, we might be understanding and learning about that magic in ways that we add to our toolkit as humans uh, more generally. Uh, and I think this will have major implications for for in so many ways. Um, I know today we're focusing on health uh, and looking at addressing future pandemics more quickly. Uh, it's the top of mind. But there will be broad implications of us breaking through this border of magic versus things we understand into increasing the scope of our abilities uh, about what's possible. I think uh, Eric's analogy is absolutely perfect. If, if you look at a biology or biochemistry textbook, it basically describes the magic, you know, um, the amazing protein that converts solar energy into bond formation or the amazing protein that makes it possible for us to walk. It's almost like we were handed these things down from the, from the depths of time. You know, it's like Lord of the Rings, these, these mythical things. They have names like CRISPR and hemoglobin and you talk to pro about proteins with their names and they have these mystical attributions and these magical powers. And then that was really because biology has really been a very descriptive science. You describe, you, you catalog what's in nature and you sort of try to describe how it works. But now, now that we can build new things, it's, it's really a completely different thing. You know, you can, um, yeah, it's, it's the magic, the, the beauty is still there, but some of the magic is gone because we can, under, we understand how things work and we can, we can make brand new things. So it's, it's really, um, it's really an exciting time. You, you know, and while we're on this, David, I'll have to just add my own personal deep interest. There's magic of mind, the magic of yeah. neurobiology and nervous systems as one of these, you know, frontiers of what we consider magic and very different than our understandings. And that gets into where AI is going. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So in that way, Eric, it's coming full circle. You're, you're learning from the biology to apply to the machine and, much the same way that the machine is informing the biology through a partnership like this. For the long term, yeah. If this effort is successful between the University of Washington and Microsoft, what would the outcome be? And what are the biggest challenges you expect to face in terms of, of getting to that outcome? Well, I think the outcome would be a real advances along the lines that Eric and I have sketched, you know, much more, you know, greater ability to respond rapidly to pandemics using machine advanced machine learning to, um, uh, to guide improvement of the methods and, um, and, uh, 
um, and that's just generally really sort of uh, um, increasing the speed in which this revolution of machine learning in protein design is taking place. What about the biggest challenge? Um, let's see. I think you know, big you know organizations working together. I don't I don't see any big challenges. I think there's some logistics, but I don't I don't see any fundamental challenges. I think it's going to be super exciting. You know, um, I, I would agree wholeheartedly with, with, with what David said, our, our outcomes, uh, desired outcomes. I think also along the way, um, Microsoft and, and, and me personally, we're, I, and I personally, we're interested in better understanding how to represent uh, and do inferences about um, uh, physical interactions in three space or even four space 3D over time, how molecules interact over time, um, pushing us to more efficiently compute, uh, to design, to do inference. Um, I'm also interested in this whole really interesting interaction of between you know the the, the AI world and the world of um, experimentation. Can we build systems that can help us um, with more efficient physical experimentation to inform the AI at the right time um, in building systems that could be very helpful assistance uh, to folks like David um, doing large scale biological studies that require both the inference and the confirmation with wet lab work. And you also, I'm sure, see no challenges whatsoever. <laughs> well, well, lots of challenges. Yeah. I mean, I think we're actually, actually seeing immediately um, hard uh, inferential challenges with things like the coming out of the computing world, memory bandwidth, uh, you know, numbers of GPUs, resources, scaling, what's intractable, where, what's at the edge of tractability. Very similar challenges to what we face in other areas in AI right now as we try to scale out and build larger scale systems that have more capabilities. Well, Eric Horvitz and David Baker, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Eric Horvitz is Microsoft's Chief Scientific Officer, and David Baker is Director of the Institute for Protein Design and Professor of Biochemistry at UW Medicine. For more on Microsoft's $5 million gift and the implications of the collaboration between the organizations, see geekwire.com healthtech and look for the post associated with this episode. Thank you for listening to the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app, or tell a friend or a colleague about the show. See more episodes at geekwire.com healthtech and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our sponsor of Health Tech Season 5, Primera Blue Cross. You can find out more about their work at primera.com innovation. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com and sign up for our podcast newsletter to hear all of our shows. I'm Todd Bishop from GeekWire. We'll be back soon with a new episode of GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast.